0: You're listening to European Startup Universe Talks, a podcast where we meet with startup founders, angel investors, and major stakeholders of the European startup ecosystem. They let us in on the do's and don'ts of running a startup, their career story, and the process of succeeding as well as failing. In other words, everything of interest to startup nerds. European Startup Universe is a massive network of opportunities for EU tech startup founders connecting them with the best minds of the EU tech community, with unicorn founders, known investors, and experts. We have brought together European countries to join forces and launch startup programs suitable for their nation's tech founders. ESU aims to give access to opportunity for funding and expansion across EU countries. Welcome to European Startup Universe Talks, I'm Mauritza and I'm here with Elaine Bindles. He is an innovation leader in the pharmaceutical industry, focusing on future healthcare technologies and he's a startup mentor. Welcome!
1: Very nice to meet you, Mauritza.
0: Very nice to have you here. I would like us to begin, could you tell me a bit more about yourself and what you do?
1: Yes. So I've been working more than twelve years at Roche and the last six, seven years I've been focusing on uh, innovation management at Roche, which means I'm really focusing on establishing like um, entrepreneurship mindset uh, and, and and skills uh, in organizations. so we're focusing on supporting uh, innovation projects, um, also supporting uh, innovation pilots, but mainly also focusing on creating those skill sets right of the future so People that understand uh, innovation coaching, uh, understand the tools, the methods to to make an innovation happen in the company, and of course learn uh, learn by doing. So we have a lot of innovation programs, uh, accelerated programs that we have set up to really uh, support innovation projects uh, in the company.
0: Okay, what was it about this field that drew you in?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, like innovation management and and supporting you know digital transformation. Uh, it has always been really like a passion of mine. And for me, you know, to stay relevant as an organization, right, and specifically in today's world, um, to become a health tech company of the future, I think we need to work differently. We need to partner with with health tech um, startups and and, and other uh, tech partners to really, um, yeah, create a different healthcare experience. So I'm somewhat intrigued by, you know, the, the pharma industry uh, and, and I guess also maybe how slow we are maybe in, in, in doing this, right? So I was always passionate, like, how can we fast track the, the digital transformation in, in healthcare and how, how can we learn also from startup companies, from, um, from different industries on, on how to do this in healthcare? So I somehow am passionate about innovation uh, technologies and also learning from other industries and how to um, use those learnings, but then in the pharmaceutical industry, how to implement it.
0: Yeah, so how, how is the relationship between the startup field, the startup world, and the pharmaceutical world?
1: I think it's, it's growing and developing uh, more and more. So for Roche, I've seen the last few years, we have more and more initiatives, like for example, uh, the Roche Cravesphere uh, plug and play program where we are, you know, Supporting uh, startups also um, in their business development. We have also created, for example, ROX Health, which is really a separate entity, but really focusing on startup support. And we have many different accelerator programs, uh, like the health uh, healthcare um, lab uh, in, in Eastern Europe, uh, and also the innovation program that I'm running to really also connect better uh, with startups. So I see that we're opening up as a company to to work not only with big providers and and maybe more the classic uh, partnerships but more with uh, local health tech uh, startups uh, in countries um, so more and more I would say openness to collaborate and also in the countries right if I'm uh, looking at the affiliates uh, the Russia affiliates we see more and more countries where they're trying to do proof of concepts pilots locally in the local markets with local providers with local startups so I think it's more and more opening up, because we we understood the only way uh, to become really a health tech uh, company of the future, it's about partnership, right? We cannot do it alone in isolation. We need to partner with those tech companies uh, and with experts in that field.
0: Absolutely. It's not the thing that you can do only by yourself. It's really about network in uh, so many different ways.
1: Exactly. And yeah. I think we, of course, are very, um, you know company that exists a long time right 125 years and our business model has been of course in the past mainly focused on developing uh, you know new medicines uh, or developing new diagnostic tests but now in the in the new economy right the new digital health economy it's more about uh, creating digital solutions for for patients for hospitals for for labs for healthcare providers and this is a different business model right it's a different it's new technologies it's different solutions so we're not so used you know to these digital solutions so to be faster in those markets we need to partner with with experts that maybe are uh, very expert in that technology field right and know how to how to create those uh, digital experiences so it's it's not our traditional pharma model right so it's a very new type of, of business models which means we need to Again, partner and, and learn from others in that field.
0: Absolutely. What is the the value of the digitalization of the pharmaceutical world, uh, the yeah, the healthcare field? What is really the benefits of that?
1: So for us it's really important because we speak often about doing uh, doing uh for, for patients, I mean, doing now what patients need next, right? That's our motto. So this means that it's not only about giving patients a new medicine or a new diagnostic test but it's also understanding the needs of the patients and the healthcare professionals so these are needs maybe around disease management this is maybe needs around uh, how to track uh, your your own healthcare data or how to use your own healthcare data it's to provide um, services that go beyond the molecule right beyond uh, a medicine so it's really creating a more uh, customer-friendly environment, I would say for the patient, for the doctor uh, that is managing their disease, right? So it means more understanding, like what are the pain points they're going through on a day-to-day basis? Um, How can we help them to to make their life easier, right? Going through the disease. Um, And of course, as we're living in a very digital world, right? Everybody or almost everybody has nowadays, a smartphone Uh, we use many digital solutions in our day-to-day life so why not use also digital solutions when we are managing our healthcare right so how can how do we create a better digital experience for people uh, when they go to the hospital when they get their treatment Um, yeah so i would say modernize modernize the healthcare experience
0: Okay, that's very very interesting, and I feel like it's uh, it's definitely part of the future.
1: It is, it is, and I think um, we have seen also after the COVID crisis, right? Like during the COVID crisis, like a lot of patients couldn't go to the hospital; they were relying maybe on digital healthcare or telehealth um, in connecting with the hospital or with the doctors. So, how can we make it easier for patients to to use these digital technologies and? Learning from COVID now, how can we maybe um, get inspired of what has happened during COVID and make it, I would say, more more uh, easier for patients to use these digital technologies and make it more accessible. So I think it's it's a it's a change. It will not happen, of course, over overnight. Right? It's it's a long-term uh, process, and therefore we also need to partner uh, with hospitals, uh, with local providers, healthcare insurance companies, with governments building those partnerships and doing these pilots to validate them um, and of course it's also a change it's not only a change for the patient but it's also a change for the doctors right where the healthcare professionals involved so this means they, they might need to suddenly start using an app right and communicating with the patient so it's, it's quite a big shift also on the the people working in healthcare right so and we shouldn't um, forget about this because it takes a lot of change management, you know, like what is what is the benefit for them? What is, of course, the benefit for the patient, right? That's the most important. But also, how do people in the healthcare industry use those tools? So prepare them, you know, prepare the new doctors, the new nurses with these tools. So I think it's a lot of, um, yeah, change management and preparing people in the healthcare industry for this.
0: Mm, absolutely. And it's really a relevant topic right now after the COVID situation that... Uh... the the medical workers are really burnt out and really under so much pressure. So innovations like this could maybe really help them be more efficient or like relieve them in the workload, in a sense.
1: Exactly. And I think also, um, you know, from an efficiency point of view, imagine that you as a patient, uh, you don't always have to go to the hospital for specific information. Maybe some of the diagnostic tests can be done from home. You can send in a request you know i want to do this in this test i want this information you can maybe do some of the diagnostic testing from home uh, share that information with your with your doctor uh, with your uh, primary physician and information sharing can go uh, in a digital way right so you don't have to go every time to the doctor every time to the office taking the time off so how can we make it easier a better experience for the patient that you really your life is less disrupted, being being sick or being um, uh, required to go to the hospital to do all this test. Um, Maybe providing services at home, right? You can really uh, receive support uh, about your disease, about your disease management from home. You can connect with other patients, share experiences, uh, maybe get support. If you have questions about your disease, you can maybe ask it as well. So all of these things like make, make it more easier for patients to to find information, to share their health information with a doctor, receive outcomes, maybe even prescription, right? You can receive the prescription at home. And of course there's really good examples like uh, Estonia, for example, right? We know that they're very far advanced with, uh, with digital healthcare and everything is you know fully digitalized and they have all the systems and the hospital data fully uh, in a digital hub. So what can we learn from those countries and why are those countries so successful in implementing these models? So I think we can learn a lot from very good examples um, within Europe as well. And how can we uh, together push that these digital solutions become available in other European countries?
0: What would you say are the Your fantasies or your goals for the future. If you imagine five or ten years from now, what would you like it to look like?
1: Yeah, a little bit like what I was mentioning before, right? So you have all your healthcare data somehow in a digital hub. Um, You can access your healthcare data. So even like one year ago, I did a diagnostic test, or I visited a doctor to do a treatment, or a um, diagnosis, or research, and all that information is you have as a patient right at your fingertips and if i want to contact another doctor or share my information you can easily share it with another doctor get a get a second opinion um, And you're not anymore obliged to to go for every little uh, thing uh, to your doctor to the office to the to the hospital so it means you can save time as a patient plus you receive more personalized support so Specifically on my case, right? If I have a specific um, disease or a problem, I can reach out to a community of maybe other patients, get the information about the disease. What can I do? How can my life be better? How can I live my life in a, in a more, have a better quality of life, even having the disease? How can I manage, you know, my, my disease and my data and all of the things, the treatment that I'm taking? So really have a more personalized approach to, disease management that as a patient as a patient it becomes more easy to, to manage the disease but also to, to live with the disease.
0: Mm, that is maybe the goal in the end to really make uh, when somebody suffering from a disease make it easier for them to, to handle to manage it to, to live but, with it.
1: Yeah and I think there's great startup companies uh, that are out there that have great technologies um that we should start implementing or piloting you know in, uh, in local countries and once they're validated once um, if they work well in a hospital or in a country expand these to other countries right and get a approval uh, for the um, for these solutions right because of course with healthcare there's the challenge that there's a lot of regulatory approvals that are required right um every time when we roll out like new solutions even digital solutions we need to have uh, regulatory approvals. Um, we need to provide uh, data security, uh, right? Like all of these um, GDPR-related um, uh, regulations. So it's very important uh, to work with the local governments, right? To to make these solutions available. Because even if the technology exists, it doesn't mean that we can bring them to patients because of regulatory uh, boundaries or regulatory regulations, right? So how can we help these startups to overcome these uh, regulatory boundaries and push together uh, as an industry towards a more digital healthcare future?
0: So would you say that the future of this is uh, not maybe entirely, but uh, to an extent in the hands of startup funders that are working within this field?
1: I think definitely because startups, uh, they usually push the boundaries, right? They come with completely new disruptive ideas, with new uh, innovations, maybe that uh, traditional pharma companies are not thinking about. And then when these solutions are being uh, discovered, right? Or or created, we can then work, for example, with more established uh, pharma or healthcare companies to push them the regulations, right? So we can go together to uh, the European uh, regulators or American regulators and help um, the startup to to validate and and to um, get the approval for these solutions in the local countries. So I think that we as a company as Roche, we can really help the the approval process and the regulatory process, Um, and maybe also get more the expansion, right? Uh, International expansion across countries um, and provide our expertise there. So I see that the, the startups, they really are pushing uh, the boundaries and pushing the the new the new innovation and disruptive disruptive technologies and this is what we need as an industry right I mean we need to have this disruption and new thinking fresh thinking fresh ideas uh, coming from the startup, so I think it's very important to have these startups uh, yeah, in the ecosystem.
0: Absolutely not to think really outside the box to be creative as, as you said. But you are a startup mentor slash coach. Could you tell me a bit more about that, what that entails for you?
1: Yeah. So, for example, in the healthcare, um, healthcare lab, right, is one of our accelerated program with startups. We have, for example, startups in there um, that join the program. And what I do as a startup mentor, startup coach, is listening to their needs, <clears throat> understanding their challenges, and based upon that also uh, provide um, coaching provide feedback ideas or connect them with other rush experts right uh, find the right people in the company that uh, that they can work with, so I think it's on one hand is. Um, you know, supporting them. Um, in developing their business model, um, maybe questions that they have so really coaching them or connecting them with other rush experts that can help them to to maybe overcome these challenges. Because I think it's very sometimes very difficult if you're a startup company outside and you contact Ross, like it's such a big company, right? Like, who do you go to? Uh, who are the people uh, that I can reach out to? Which expertise? And I'm somehow like a, a bit of a, a connection point for them to navigate the complexity of Ross, right? Like, finding the right experts, the right business units um, that can help them. But yeah, I really like to to coach the startups because you, you learn a lot from their way of working. You also see uh, maybe they're struggling with certain things that Ross maybe is not struggling with, right? So you can really uh, be complementary like provide support and coaching from from, uh, from our uh, experience. And it can really help them, right? It can really move them forward. So I think it's yeah, it's great if you can, uh, can help the, the startup ecosystem in, in moving forward and, and help a, a startup yeah, moving one step closer to, to, uh, to making um, their, their products successful.
0: Absolutely, and it's not a thing that you can do alone, that you have to have the, uh, the ecosystem, the, the support and the guidance of experts, but also getting in contact with others. That's really what makes the, the ecosystem grow. When you are mentoring, are there any common mistakes that you see that you would like to just everyone stop doing?
1: I think um, it's very important, right, from the start, like to think about your business model, right? Because often when we come up with like new solutions or new technologies, it might be in a really early stage. But you need to think about like uh, who is in the end paying for the solution, right? Uh, who is reimbursing, maybe, uh, or is it being reimbursed, for example, by by the health healthcare authorities, uh, or for example, where who is owning the data, right? So there's a lot. Other time, like questions around um, the business model, right? Who's paying? Who's owning the data? Is it being reimbursed? Um, and really, also checking assumptions early on with your end user or customer, right? So imagine, like, it's a your end customer is the patient. Making really sure that you speak with patients, that you get their insights, test your uh, your business plan or your your product with them early on, right? So I think sometimes what people forget is, I mean, they have a great solution, great technology, but they didn't test it early enough with real end users, with real customers, getting feedback. So you might have a great solution, but maybe the customer needs something else, right? So really doing that early um, feedback with the market, with customers, and also uh, the, the stakeholder management, right? If you think about health authorities, uh, the regulations in the country, um, approval process, um, data privacy rules—like all of these things—that might seem very far away, but are, are very critical for your success uh, of your business, right? So, early on, identifying those uh, regulations that that are important for you, the stakeholders that you need to uh, speak with and 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 uh, interact with. Yeah, so on one hand, it's like on the customer side, right, really doing this customer validation early on, and on the other hand, is more the broader, I would say, stakeholders, right, that have an impact on the success of your of your project. So, like I said before, like healthcare authorities, um, data privacy, these kind of topics, which are often um, difficult in digital solutions.
0: Okay, so it's. <laughs> Uh, enough to have a good idea or really be innovative, you also need the external help.
1: You need the external help and you need to early on uh, identify like what would be the showstoppers, right? Like uh, if this and this would happen or it doesn't happen, then we cannot sell our solution or a solution cannot be viable anymore, right? So yeah, really understand like the uh, the context, right? That we're, that we're operating in at a country level or European level, um, yeah, and then overcome those barriers. I mean, there's always a way, of course, to find solutions, but if you're aware early on, then you can start finding um, solutions, you know, to, to for example, um, your business model or data privacy issues or uh, d- data, data protection, you know, like there are solutions out there, but maybe you need to be aware early on, early enough, so that you can still find, uh, yeah, different strategies to overcome them.
0: What would you say are some vital and absolutely must-have skill sets or assets in order to really be successful in this industry?
1: I think you need to be very persistent and uh, have a, a can-do attitude, right? Because. It's still a relative. I mean, if you think about digital healthcare alone, right? It's still a relatively new field, and there's a lot of uh, challenges to overcome. So you need to be in there for the long, long run, right? Meaning not being afraid of challenges, not being afraid of pivoting your business model or changing direction, partnering with with maybe other partners. Um, so being open uh, and flexible enough to. To completely change right direction and this this requires a persistent uh, commitment um, not being afraid of challenge opening being open enough to partner right with different type of partners different companies sometimes even different industries um yes yeah, so i think that, that is really important to not have uh, to not give up you know when things get get tough
0: Mm, absolutely and that is uh, easier said than done sometimes because it's really often described being a startup funder it's a roller coaster of emotion it's the super highs and then there's the super lows but to really manage to persist through the difficult times
1: exactly i think that's really important and having a strong network having a strong team around you uh, people advisors uh, that you can trust people that want to help you and I think there's so many great people, right, in the industry. So it's making sure that those startups have access to this amazing network or coaching network. So they're not alone. And I think it's also very important for Europe, right? If Europe also wants to stay relevant, I think we need to have a strong innovation ecosystem and, and startup ecosystem. So we all, all of us, right, public sector, private sector, we have a benefit, I think, if we have strong startups or strong uh, health tech um industry right or
0: what do you think the future looks like for the startup ecosystem in Europe in the future?
1: So I see that the European Union and European Commission they're investing a lot uh, at the moment of course in innovation right uh, with the EIC funding and EIT So I see there's there's a push uh, towards uh, financing and supporting innovation across Europe. I think now, of course, we're in a critical time, right? Because you have, I think Europe is in competition with uh, the US and, and Asia as well. And we see like, hmm, maybe we are not so strong, so we need to invest more. So that that's therefore is the reaction from Europe to invest more. But that, that's one part, right? It's, so it's, it's more investment. I think we also need to think about regulations, right? If we think about uh, specifically for healthcare, but maybe also for other industries often regulations they are hampering or slowing down innovation right so how can we make sure the regulations are up to date and are modernized or modern enough to also support uh, new new uh, innovations uh, coming out of this startup? so these startups so its regulations need to be looked at and of course also the industry support so industry including my own industry like Ross, like how can we support um Yeah, startups in the field, right? So we we co-invest, we co-develop with startups. So I definitely, I think we now tackle one part is the the investment part from the European Commission point of view, but now we also need to work on regulations, uh, collaborations with industry, um, and that the industry is also investing uh, in these startups and and in the future.
0: Absolutely. And this really goes back to what we discussed before that uh, Nothing is uh, possible to do completely alone. It's really being a part of. Uh, you know, it's not you against the world. It's uh, we are on this together.
1: Exactly, and I think the strongest uh, partnerships and and success stories will come from, like you say, partnerships. So meaning maybe uh, a private company uh, is working with a startup uh, in a specific country. They have a success story, then they expand together. Right? So there's where I think you will find those examples of where a startup is successful when they are partnering um, with maybe established companies um, and get support uh, also maybe from the local authorities. Right, So if there's like, um, problems with you know, the, the application or the approval of, of the solution a, from a regulatory point of view, can the uh, local regulations also be adapted, or can they be supportive of, of changes? So yeah, I think there's yeah it's this collaboration between different partners, so public, private, and, and regulators together.
0: Yeah. yeah, all in symbiosis, or in uh, how, how you should describe it. In a... Yeah,
1: like a symbiosis. Oh,
0: oh. But uh, before it was have been like a real, real pleasure to talk to you today. I would just uh, before we wrap up, is there anything you, you want to add that you feel like we cannot go without saying?
1: No, I think it's uh, I mean, it's super important, right? Like to, um, to start these collaborations and also, I mean, feel free to reach out to me. I'm more than happy to also uh, answer any questions that you have. And I think we need to have more of these initiatives. Um, like you're managing now to support this interaction between public and private sector, right? Like bringing startups together, bringing uh, corporates together. I think it's super important. And from doing this more and more, I think we will create this, um, this, part, this new partnerships, this ecosystem that is really alive and is working uh, really well. So yeah, hoping to see more of these initiatives also in the future. Yeah, that's
0: a, a good note to, to end this on. Thank you so much for for being here today.
1: Thank you, Maritza, and looking forward
0: to stay connected. You've been listening to European Startup Universe Talks. If you want to know more about us, go to thestartupuniverse.org and follow us on social media.